Hello. I'm excited. Paul has warned me to not play with the mic too much and go back and forth, so I'm not going to. But tell me if I do. Too close? Keep it close. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm loud too, so I try not to scream ears off. But good morning. Happy New Year, or happy day after New Year's Day. Um, I was very, very excited. I'm like, man, this is this is a lot to to do the bring the first word of the new year. That means I have to give like um, a new year prophetic word, right? <laughs> totally joking. Um, definitely, definitely love love that. It's like every single new year is the same thing, and it never gets done. I really, I really love New Year's resolutions and like the way that I hate New Year's resolutions because like I love them so much because of what happens like it's just like boom <laughs> so excited at the beginning of the year I, I mean I did that last year and it worked for half the year and then fried fried food looked really good by the end of the year <laughs> oh it's Chick-fil-A so good um yeah so this morning um we're we're I don't know if you have read the emails I know emails are are crazy sometimes and most of them can be like spam and it really doesn't separate spam from good emails very well. But if you read the email last week, um, you saw a little note in there that we're just kind of encouraging this next um, 21 days as uh, time set apart for prayer and fasting. Like I'm spinning around. Um, 21 days just set aside for um, some prayer and fasting corporately uh, as we go into this next season, just seeking the heart of the Lord on, on what he has for us, for our, our city, for our body, just individually. Um, and so that is kind of starting today. We're going to have the next three weeks. Um, we do our Tuesday night prayer here. Um, the next three weeks, that's going to kind of be emphasized. Um, so I just really want to encourage you, if you're joining in, praying and fasting with us in this next uh, 21 days, um, that's today through the 23rd, that you would just um, join us on this Tuesday night. It'll be a time of, of worship from starting at 7 p.m., um, ending sometimes around 9, depending on whatever, between 8 and 9, um, maybe 10. But, um, yeah, so we'll uh, gather there on those Tuesday nights, just kind of emphasize, like, hey, let's pray together. Um, and so tonight, today, it's the morning, today we're going to be talking a little bit about um, prayer, fasting. Um, originally, I thought I was just going to be talking about fasting and then realizing that they kind of go hand in hand with each other, like, can't leave prayer out of this, and then this turned out to be a lot more about prayer, so I apologize. Um, that is just kind of where it went, and I, in the prayer and planning for this, I say I got distracted. I'm, just, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say the Lord led me many various places, and um, this PowerPoint used to move, but it didn't translate well to the computer, so it's not going to be as fun. Um, sorry about that. But yeah, so prayer is one of my favorite things. Just this amazing thing we have that we get to communicate with the creator, with the God who made us, the God who is our father, and we get to communicate with him. Like how amazing is prayer? And so today, little talk about a little bit of why we want to do that corporately. And I made this PowerPoint definitely not for you. It's, it's for me. I'm so sorry. It's not for you because I will definitely get lost and distracted. So this is going to tell me where I'm at. But it's pretty to look at, so you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, just love prayer. Like prayer, um, who, who's just had prayer impact their life? 
right? Prayer's amazing. And so it's just thinking that, like, almost every person in this room, every person, every person in the body of Christ has been affected by prayer. The amazing thing that prayer has, it's literally all throughout Scripture, communication with God, prayer. Um, so many times as I was reading, just throughout the New Testament, even Paul's like, pray for me, pray for me, thank you for praying for me. Because you prayed for me, this happened. I'm like, man, they prayed. Um, they really, really prayed a lot, and it was so beneficial. But yeah, we can't talk about fasting without having some kind of paradigm of prayer. Because if we do that, if we don't have any kind of mindset of what prayer is, why we should pray anything, um, we can't fast adequately or we're just dieting. And fasting has really become a diet fad, I guess, these days. Like, you hear it a lot on, like, you see it on social media a lot, like, intermittent fasting, and it's, it's really popular. Um, but it's so much more than that. Like, like if, if you're not going to eat, might as well pray. Like, put some kind of joy in there. Um, so yeah, we can't, we cannot have fasting without a paradigm of prayer or we're just participating in the latest diet fad and who wants to do that? Um, and so yeah, what, what is, what is the Lord doing? What is he doing in our city? All these questions, what's going on in our nation? This is a crazy time, like overwhelming, overwhelmingly crazy. We see it like turn on the news or Facebook, man. It is just overwhelmingly something's happening every other day that is like, Lord, we, we love to pray, like, Lord, just come back, <laughs> just come back. But like, man, we can do something about it through prayer, right? Like prayer, if we believe we've been affected by prayer and believe that prayer shifts things in, in this time of turmoil, that's what we can tackle um, the crazy with is prayer. And so um, my notes aren't in order. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, one of the most beautiful, beautiful benefits of, of the gospel to me is, is what we get to experience through prayer, through the tearing of the veil, through the encounters we get to have with him face to face. I was reading in um, Exodus, Exodus 33, I think, this morning, and just talking about like, like the Lord was like, Moses, like, I have to hide you in, this, in the crevice of this rock so that my glory doesn't kill you. It's like, Whoa power the power of god is crazy we get to have him living inside of us we get to communicate with him prayer through prayer but i want to share this quote real quick probably you can go to the next slide if it works um in every ministry that's successful prayer is an evident and controlling force that's ian bounds um thanks johnny johnny give me that book um in every ministry that's successful prayer is an evident and controlling force and definitely the word successful here, I'm not saying, um, and I don't think Ian Bounds is saying that every ministry that has their seats filled or every ministry that is making a lot of money, but in every ministry that is successful, and what is a successful ministry? Uh, in my mind, I'm thinking every ministry that seeing people come to know Jesus, like what is that measure of success? I think he's talking about there is not like filling seats, but prayer is an evident and controlling force. And so uh, I read that and it urged me to ask myself that question is like, is prayer an evident and a controlling force, not only in my life, but in everything I'm doing in our ministry, in the body of Christ? Is prayer an evident and a controlling force? Or is the evident and controlling force our business decisions and our strategic minds and all these things that we want to do that we know we can fill seats, we know that we can make money off something. And so oftentimes it's like, oh, we want this other measure of success. But 
prayer being an evident and controlling force will push us to a measure of success, not motivated by pride, not motivated by what we want, but motivated by the heart of God. And that's all what the most important part of what prayer is, is that we want to come in, we want to seek the heart of God, we want to ask him, Lord, what is your heart? And we want to receive the heart of God. And when that is our evident and controlling force, that's when we can see our, the success that we know is his heart. Because his heart isn't just to, to be successful in the world eyes, right? Like, when, is, when it is, had he ever done anything that really just made sense to the world? And think of even just like what is asked of the body of Christ, what is asked of his people doesn't really make sense. So obviously our measure of success in the world's eyes would not quite make sense to him. And so just asking that question, Lord, man, is prayer an evident and a controlling force in our ministry and what we're doing? Are we motivated by prayer and by your heart or are we being motivated by, by pride? And if you want to go ahead and turn to Matthew 6, we're going to be there um, kind of uh, quite a bit. <laughs> as, I, as I was doing this, I was like kind of trying to go other places and Matthew 6, just, it just kept, kept going there. So I said, okay. I'm going to stay. Um, but yeah, we're praying. We want to be in, in that, and we want to have prayer as an evident and controlling force, not only in our ministry, but in our lives. And just I want you to ask, that, ask yourself that question, like, is that what's happening in my life? Is that what's happening in our ministry, personal ministry, corporate, whatever that looks like? Is prayer an evident and controlling force? And it's like that, that just that one little line um, kind of brought me to this place of just repentance. I'm like, so often it's, it's easy to flip kind of a switch and be like, I'm just going to, I know what to do to get by. And so I'm just going to do that instead of seeking the heart of God. And it's so easy. I even tried to do this, that for today. I'm like, oh man. And coming across that quote, I'm like, Lord, prayer's not being an evident controlling force in this right now. So help me, Lord. But he, he desires to see, for us to receive so much more of him, right? But when we pray, it's, it's not that he's just like, oh, I'm just going to give you more. It's, our, our, it's telling ourselves, we're coming into obedience with him. We're saying, and posturing ourselves and saying, Lord, we want to be aware of the more that you are. He's not, he's, I promise you, he's not holding something back from you. Because you're not praying. You're holding yourself back because we're not praying. But um, so we're going to talk this morning a little bit about corporate prayer. What did I say? (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's not that he's holding something back from us because we're not praying. It's because we're holding ourselves back from him. That's the beautiful part of the torn veil, right? Is we get to enter in. He's made himself available and we get to enter in. Um, And so... What, what does that look like if we do that on the corporate level? If we say, hey, we're not going to hold ourselves back anymore from what we could have with you. Because we know, like, I, I, love, I love singing, like, I want more of you, Lord. Set a fire, man. It's one of the best songs. But it's like we sing that corporately sometimes and we expect him to just be like, well, all right, there you go. But it's like, no, if, that, if we, us saying, I want more of you, Lord, the benefit of that is it's moving us into a posture of, hey, I am ready to go into the more of you, Lord. He's not, he's not just sitting there toying with us. Um, 
And so that's what I believe in this season, in this next season we're going to, that the Lord is calling us into a place of prayer corporately, of corporately saying, I'm going to posture myself to receive, and not just to receive, but to walk into everything that you've made available. So um, corporate prayer, lasting benefits of corporate prayer. And that's another thing, like we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, but this is not just to be like, it's not uh, like a 21 day fix all, like woohoo everything's better. We fasted and prayed for 24 days. Um, this, the purpose of this is to, like I said, posture ourselves into a lifestyle of prayer. Because if we're not doing that personally ourselves, it, it's, it doesn't matter what we're doing in here. If we can't do that ourselves and find in ourselves how to encounter the Lord, how to pray, then it's not going to be beneficial. But once we do that on the corporate level, like what can that look like if we establish a culture of prayer. Um, and so we have these four points. We'll go through them really quickly. Awakening, unity, intercession, and strengthening the saints. Um, you can go back to the last one, Piper. Um, we'll sit there for a bit. Um, yeah. And so the Lord, I believe he's calling us to be the fullness of what we are to be in the body of Christ. I do not believe that the fullness of what the Lord wants us to be is church attendees on a Sunday morning to check our list off. And a lot of what, as we were, as I was studying and praying through this, um, a lot just kept coming up about like ritualistic prayer, ritualistic fasting. Like it's so easy to get into a groove and be ritualistic with our faith, with how um, we've just been like trained into be like, okay, we can do this, this, and this, and we're good. And we're good church members. That's not the fullness of what the body of Christ is to be like. We were given a commission, right? To preach the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to all the earth. Like we were given this commission. And in that, it was not included that we needed to check off a ritualistic box of like, oh, I said this prayer, I did this, and I sat in this chair. Um, And so I believe so much more is what is in store for the body of Christ. And I think prayer is something so important to that. So you can go ahead to that next slide, Piper. That is Piper still, right? Okay. Awakening. I, like, I just realized I haven't looked back there in a while. I was like, I'll make sure I was talking to the right person. Um, awakening. Um, more than just the blessing. I, I put a little funny caption on like two of them, and then I ran out of funny. More than just the blessing. Um, prayer. It's more than just the blessing before your meal. I think so often is... Uh, it's like, that's kind of our understanding. Like, oh, we need to just pray. And then it like stops or pray before something in this. But like, is our lifestyle prayer? You can pray before every single meal and your lifestyle is not prayer. It's more than just the blessing. Um, and so, so I was t- talking about awakening. And this is such a buzzword, man. Right? Yeah. You hear it a lot, awakening. And I think... Awakening, as we as I, we're talking about it this morning, is so much more than just the buzzword we like to throw around. Because it's, it's like I said, it's just like we want to posture ourselves. It's not just like, oh, we're awake. But um, awakening, I believe when we enter into a lifestyle and a culture of prayer, we're going to wake up. The sleeping, the sleeping giant, the spirit of God inside of us. He's not sleeping. We're sleeping. But we need to wake up corporately, individually, and it starts with that place of prayer. But prayer 
Um, it's meant to be our lifestyle. It's not, it's not just simply something we say um, before the meal, before this. We pray. Oh, and this one. I'm so bad at this. I'm so sorry. Um, we're probably, a lot of us are probably bad, but I know I'm bad at this. It's just like, like someone asking, we pray for me. I'm like, yeah, and not. <laughs> That's just kind of a, a thing. <laughs> sorry. I, I really like, it's like needs to be, it needs to be something we, I take on a lot better. Like, okay, I need to write this down and pray for them because I do not want to just be someone empty our words. But even prayers, it's even just more than that. Um, what did I write up there? I'm sorry for spelling errors. I can't spell. The computer corrected most of them. Um, but yeah, but we read in Acts that the church frequently prayed before every decision, every major event, everything that they did. Prayer was vital to the early church. Prayer was something that was necessary. It wasn't an, like an option. Literally everything they did, like, okay, we're going to pray. Sometimes they cast lots at one time, but I'm going to talk about it. Um, but like we see before in Acts 2 uh, or Acts 1, before Pentecost, they were praying in one accord. We see what happened in Acts 2. We see later on they're praying and fasting. Then people get healed. They pray. Then this happens. They pray. And over and over again, they pray, they pray, they pray. Paul thanks them because they prayed. Um, and so it's this, it's this thing that was in their culture. It was embedded into who they were as people. It wasn't just the ritualistic practice. And um, if you're still in Max, Ma, Max, Max 6, the new Bible, Matthew 6, um, we're going go to go starting in uh, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I'm just going to keep going because this is so good. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses... Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Whoa, that's good. Jesus, he was a good preacher, man. Um, but all of that, back to Matthew 6, 5. Um, we have, we, I'm so hot, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm <laughs> it's going to snow today. This is not a weather forecast, but I'm very excited about that. That's what, that's the benefits of prayer is that it snows when you pray. I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not Bible. Please, please don't take that. But Matthew 6, 5, um, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Um, we're talking about that point to prayer is more than ritualistic practice. Um, and we live here in the Bible Belt 
um, where everyone's just like knows ever, like everything about Christianity, right? And about having a relationship with Jesus and it's everyone goes to church and you have these things, but so often prayer can be reduced to just that a rich ritualistic practice of like, I have to make sure I check this box, not just for me, but I have to make sure that I check this box so that others will know that I checked my box. Others will know that I, I pray that I've done this. But when our, when our only prayer is prayer for the sake of others' approval or prayer for our self-gratification, we become just like these people that Jesus is addressing here. They're, they're, it wasn't, the problem wasn't that they were praying in public. Like He's not saying don't pray in front of people. But what was their, their problem was their motivation here. Um, if you look at the end of that verse, they may be seen by others. Truly, then truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And Mr. Tim, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I was um, reading that um, right there. I was very like, interested. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. And that word it tra- can also translate to punishment. Is that a thing? <laughs> Yeah, but I, I read that. I was like, it's, it's like kind of sarcastically is how I was reading. Like, oh, man, truly they've received their reward. Because then he says later, when you pray in secret and your father sees you, you will receive your reward from the father. So I'm thinking like, man, it says truly they've received their reward. And a little bit of sarcastically, like, okay, they got their applause. They got their like, oh, they got it. Okay, there's, there's their self-gratification that they um, were asking for. But it's, a, it's that motivation. They were motivated to pray because they wanted to, to let everyone know. But what would happen if our motivation to pray was first that we could seek the Father, that we could encounter Him, that He would be our first, first motivation, that, oh man, we just get to spend time with Him. We get to be with Him. But also, what would, our motivation, what would happen if our motivation, if in the body of Christ, our motivation to pray was that so we could see that commission in Matthew 28, that we could see that fulfilled? What if our motivation to pray would be for the body? What if it would be for each other, preferring one another even in our prayers? What would happen if that is our motivation? If we take away from the ritualistic practice that these hypocrites practice and say, no, I'm going to pray because I want to see what God's going to do in your life, in in others' lives, in the body of Christ. Um, But prayer brings awakening when our intentions shift from ritualistic to relationally. And when our motive becomes communion, we're able to fully step into relationship and our inheritance with the Father. The beautiful relationship that we have because of Jesus that we get to step into as son and daughter. And we get to commune with our Father. That intention that I just get to come in and commune with him is pure. It's not like the hypocrites who are doing it for themselves. Um, yeah, wow. But it was, it was just this intention right there of the next verse. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will, will reward you. One of the most trans, like, tra- transformational messages I ever heard, I have no idea who it was by or when I heard it, but it was talking about this. It was talking about like going to the secret with your father and pray that importance of like, we want to see the body of Christ awakened. Then we need to go into the place with the father and pray. We need to encounter him. And I, and I love right there. It says, go into your father who is in secret. He's the only one in there. He's the only one, only other one in the room. 
the most important thing, rather than satisfying this corporate religious need to pray, is that we pray and we go into that secret place where it's just you and your father, where it's father and son in communion. We want to see awakening. We need to be awakened to the relationship that we have with our Father. And it's from ritualistic prayer to conversing with the Father. That's the transition that we want to make. Um, I'm talking too much. Will you read in Acts? Yeah. Someone in New Testament, someone was in prison, boom, they pray. Persecution, they prayed. Um, they were a prayer-saturated culture. We may say, like, oh, we're in the Bible, well, we're prayer-saturated. Sometimes we might be in that little ritualistic prayer saturated, but the New Testament church was saturated with prayer, number one, because they knew their relationship with the Father and that they knew how to go in secret and pray with Him, and number two, because they preferred one another in their prayers. They were frequently praying for each other, and it's kind of our last point is strengthening the saints. Like if We believe that prayer is effective when we pray for one another, when we prefer one another in our prayers, we're strengthening the people around us, right? Like, how powerful can that be? We see so many people struggling in the body of Christ. What would happen if we prefer one another, even in our prayer life? But um, I'm going to run through this because I'm talking too much. Prayer is more than just checking something off of a list that you do before dinner, bed, or something. But it is something that fulfills our role as sons and daughters. It is our place of communion, and awakening comes when we move from a place of religious, ritualistic prayer to a place of encounter-driven prayer. We pray because we've met him, not just because we need to appease him or our religious cravings. When we seek his heart, we will see his heart. That's what we want to do. We want to see his heart for our body, for this body, for our city, for what he's doing on the earth. We need to see his heart. Um, yes. So we talked about Exodus 33. I'm just going to flip there real quick um, because I wrote it down. And I may have just written it down because I thought it was cool. Um, yeah, so Moses was uh, pitched his tent to come in, and he was seeking the Lord. Um, Moses' intercession in verse 12 of chapter 33 of Exodus. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, us, I and your people from every other people on the earth? But I love that right there. Um, in verse 15, it says, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. The desire that Moses had in his intercession that his presence would go with his people. And I love, I, I always read this sarcastically from Moses right here. He's like, I and your people, kind of like, they're yours. <laughs> like, like uh, mom and a dad, like your kids. You know, that's how I, I read that like that every time. But I love like Moses is going in behalf for Israel to God and saying, if your presence is, does not go with us, like, what are we going to do? Like, how will it be known that we are your people? Um, and so I love that his intercession was motivated by his people, by God's people. Um, we're going to keep going through this. Next slide, unity. Um, don't be mad, be glad. <laughs> 
That's, that's a laughing part. <laughs> but um, I'm going to go through this really quick because I've talked way too long on that. But unity. Unity is a central culture piece to the body of Christ. It's, that's one big thing I think we said, and I'm going to say this every part, is culture. It is part of, it has to be part of who we are. Um, so yeah, unity is a piece of essential culture piece to the body of Christ. We must be defined by unity. I'm going to flip over real quick to Acts 2, uh, verse 42 through 47. Yeah, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous heart, praising God and having favor with the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This was a people devoted to prayer, and they were devoted to unity. Um, so yeah, when we, must, we as a body, we must be defined by unity. It must not be a thing where people outside of the body of Christ can look in and say, like, they're divided people. Like, this must be a quality that we carry. And I believe through corporate prayer, when we pray together, we seek the heart of God together. If we're seeking the Lord together, and we're hearing from Him, He's not going to tell us to quarrel. He's not going to tell us to be in division with each other. And I love, and like, we are one with Him. We are one. We have the same Holy Spirit. And I don't think the Holy Spirit and each other are dis- is disagreeing. Like, He's not disagreeing with Himself. So, there is no place for those things because unity is essential. Um, and when we seek the heart of God together, what can come out of that? How can we be divided while we walk in his heart, while we're walking in the ways of him? Um, and just a real quick look at, there's blessing and unity in Psalm 133. Um, how good and pleasant it is. And it, it talks about, it's like the precious oil on the head. Or on, and um, I'm just going to read it because I'll butcher it if I don't. Um, but Psalm 133, it's beautiful. Um, uh, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls in the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. There's blessing in unity. And um, I read that like David was writing to his, his sons. He had tons of sons. And writing there. And so it's like, man, we are, we are sons and daughters of God. This is, this is for us. Behold, how good and pleasant it is. It's good when we dwell together in unity, when we are one with each other. And I love that precious oil on the head and the beard of Aaron. They anointed the high priest. And they set them apart. And they're like, yeah, you are set apart from the people. You are holy. Unity sets us apart. Unity is like it says there. It's like the precious oil on the head. Unity is an anointing oil on us that sets us apart and says, hey, they are a different people. And so unity is important. I, I, I think of like as we, we're a priesthood, right? As we enter into our priesthood, unity is that, that anointing that sets us apart. It's the, it's the anointing oil for the body of Christ is unity. And how powerful it would be if we are set apart because we are people who are unified under the heart of God. Um, 
And then if we look back at Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, forgive us our debts as we forgive those. Forgiveness is necessary in, in a part of unity. Um, we're going to flip to this next one. I'm going to run really quickly. Um, intercession. Um, 1 Timothy 2 talks about intercession being made for all people. We must pray for others, for, for all people. For is extremely important. It's preferring one another, praying for all people. I think there's a big tendency in our culture today. We might pray against some people. Um, pray against the schemes of the enemy, not people. That is extremely important in this divided culture of politics and everything else that happens on social media. It can be very easy to be like, Lord, strike them down. <laughs> but Paul instructs us to pray for all people, kings, everybody. Um, pray against the schemes of the enemy, not people. We see Ephesians 6 defines that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Um, and Jesus, is Jesus interceded. He is um, the greatest interceder, right? Like, we think of his sacrifice on the cross, intercession, his prayer in John 17. A lot of it was praying for his people that he was leaving behind. And then 1 Timothy 2 talks about how he is the mediator, like, Jesus is the great intercession. Let us take his model. Like, he was the great intercessor for all mankind. Like, let us take that on for the body. And then the last one, um, strengthening of the saints in the next slide. I, I may have not put it there. No, I didn't put it there. Um, Ephesians six eighteen, praying at all times in the spirit with prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Prayer is necessary to the Great Commission. And I, like, I can't stress that enough. Like Prayer is necessary to the telling of the gospel on all four corners of the earth. If we are not praying for those that we send, like why are we sending them? And so Paul is asking here for prayer. Pray for us. Um, and keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And for me, that the words may be given to me so I can boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. P prayer was essential to his ministry. Not his own prayer, but he asking for the prayer of the saints. For the saints and for himself. Um, I think it's first, is it first, second Thessalonians? Um, yeah, second Thessalonians three. He says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For all, for not all have faith. The Lord is faithful and will establish you and guard you against the evil one. But he's saying pray. Uh, once again, he's saying pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. Um, and so, yeah, that's are those four things right there. Awakening, unity, intercession, and uh, strengthening the saints are, like I said, the lasting, lasting benefits of corporate prayer. We want that to be something that is culture. We want that to be something that we carry, that we can be a people that pray together and that we see awakening, not only just corporate awakening, but we see awakening in a relationship between us and the Father, that we realize that prayer is not ritualistic, but it is a point of communion with the Father. Unity, that we may be one together, that we may come together and seek the heart of God together and that know, and know His heart for us, for our people and for his people and what he's doing. We want to have his word. And we can't quarrel against each other when we're seeking his heart together. Or we can. 
just becomes increasingly hard because we know what he says. Um, in intercession, we have to be a people, like I said, that prefer one another in prayer, that also that our, our prayers benefit the Great Commission. Our prayers benefit the sending of the gospel to the four corners of the earth and strengthening the saints, that we may pray for one another, our pastors, leadership people in the church. So often people, um, we see it hurt, people get hurt so often in the church. And I begin to wonder, like, man, are we not preferring one another in our lives, but also we're not preferring one another in our prayers? Because if we do that, prefer one another in our prayers, we will see God's heart in the situation. When we have a, a quarrel, a fight with someone, we will see his heart for the situation. Um, and this one I'm going to hit really quick. Um, this, was, this was not intentional. I did not think this was something. We talked about this morning that the Lord just put it like culture is important. Culture of prayer. Um, in the lens of Matthew 6 and the Lord's Prayer. You can go to the next one. Culture. Um, culture, not that one. I put them in the wrong order. Sorry. Culture is the deeply rooted but often unconscious belief, values, and norms that are shared by a group. Um, in a prayer culture, there it is. Culture is the deeply rooted but often unconscious beliefs, values, and norms shared by a group. Um, I just thought that was a powerful definition of culture. It's deeply rooted. Can prayer be something that is deeply rooted in us, that it becomes culture, and that it's shared by us, an unconscious belief. Let it be something that is so set in us that we don't even think twice about it, that we know, oh, we have to pray. That is who we are as sons and daughters of God. We're people that pray. Um, and so prayer culture, uh, moving into Matthew 6, back into the Lord's Prayer, starting in verse 9. Uh, you can go to that next slide or last slide. I don't know what order I put it in. I'm so sorry, Piper. Um, but the first one you see, Matthew 6, 9. Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. A culture of exaltation and, and, um, culture of exaltation and worship. Matthew 6, 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we carry a culture of the kingdom. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. That we would carry a culture of dependency. And forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors, that we would have a culture of forgiveness and unity there. And um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil and a culture of righteousness. That our prayers not only would be um, modeled like the Lord says, but that we would take those things and that they would be culture. That would be something that is an unconscious belief shared by a group shared by the body of Christ, that we would have that culture, that we will exalt him first, that we will seek his kingdom, that we would be dependent on him, that we would have faith in him, that we would forgive one another and be unified with each other, and that we would have a culture of righteousness. And I believe the Lord's, the, the model the Lord gave, gave us gives us a beautiful picture of what we can see corporately um, when we pray, and that these things would be staples of who we are as, corporate, as a corporate expression. Um, real quick, just some things. I did not talk about fasting at all. I'm so sorry. Um, but fasting, if you're wanting to fast, we'll send some things out through email this week. If you're wanting some more resources, we'll, um, we'll do that and send them out through email. So if you haven't signed up, signed up for the church center um, or the email, definitely do that. But fasting, see, it's a time without food. Uh, see that very often. Every time someone fasts, they're not eating food. Motivation of fasting is important, like we talked about with prayer. In Matthew 6, 16, um, they, they also ritualistically fasted so that people would know that they were fasting. And it's like, once again, motivation is very important that um, 
He says, wash your face, anoint your head, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but once again, by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Our fasting is done from the secret place, and it's done out of that motivation um, for Him. And fasting doesn't always produce good feeling or our desired results. So if you're entering into this season of fasting, um, every season of fasting isn't followed by like, woohoo, we did it, and all of our prayers have been answered, like, we even see in scripture, um, it was a David that fasted and for the boy who was sick and he died. And they came back and told him that the boy died. He said, okay, give me some food. And it's like, okay, like he fasted. It's, didn't see his desired results. But this is just, it ties along into prayer that it would not just be like, we use prayer a lot of times as a, okay, I need to pray. I'm sick, so now I need healing. So now I need to pray. Or... Um, oh, this happened in my life, so now I need to pray. Like, prayer is not just a magic, like, one-time boom. But prayer is meant to something that is, be something that is saturated into our lifestyles and in our culture. And I believe the same with fasting. The fasting is not just a one-time fix-all. Like, I'm going to fast, and, or I'm going to fast at the beginning of the year, and the rest of my year is going to be amazing because I did the 21-day fast. That's not what it is. But fasting intend, is intended to posture us in a place of dependency, like we saw in Matthew 6, like a culture of dependency on the Lord, to posture in that place to say, okay, I, my New Year's resolution or whatever you say it, our sustainability is found in a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. So that's just what I believe today is the Lord's calling us to as, as a body, as the body of Christ, that we would be people of prayer. There would be people that have a culture of prayer saturated into everything that we do, like we see in the early church. The prayer is so important that it's a key thing to us and that it's more than just the ritualistic checking of the box. Sorry, heartburn. <laughs> I'm not the pregnant one either. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so that, I definitely would love to have another hour to talk because there's so much in there about fasting but like i said i uh, we're going to send some resources out through this next 21 days so if you plan on um jumping in with us praying and fasting like i said tuesday nights um are going to be amazing times of prayer worship team y'all can come up let's we'll worship you got to yeah johnny's got something i've got it just back over here y'all uh anybody that knows you knows that this is a life message for you, Trace. And uh, boy, you just exude this. And we need to catch what you've got on prayer. Y'all, since he was in high school, he was starting prayer groups and, 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 and meeting in a small room in, in a little uh, Alabama uh, country area leading high school students into prayer and uh, saw God do some incredible stuff. Uh, you're a unique mixture because not only do you carry this uh, passion and vision for prayer, but Trace, you've got the heart of God. You are pastoral. You care for people the way that God cares for people. And we need to catch that from you. But I've had the privilege of riding with Trace in a car long distances. <laughs> he talks to the Lord all the time, y'all. We've been roommates together. I've seen him. 
I've walked with him and seen that. And Trace, uh, <clears throat> you know, and I have one more thing. Trace, if you, if you ever get around him, just start asking questions, you'll find out. I mean, the last trip we were on, I said, dude, have you ever been tested? He said, tested for what? And I said, like, you're like borderline genius or something. Any question you can ask him, he's into it. And Trace, you have it in your heart, and it radiates out of... If, 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 if you got up here and just did this today, we would have caught prayer. It's who you are. It's a calling on you, and you're not just a young Timothy that has something for older folks to hear. You are meant to lead the body of Christ. You are meant to lead with this. Heartburn, burn heart, burn. That's who you are, and you represent a whole bunch of you in this room, your generation, your generation. Call us up, and we say yes, right? We say yes to this. Listen, you just get up and just let the Lord flow through you like you did today. You've got so much in that noggin. Uh, I can't help but see your mom and dad out there, others in your family. And I hear you saying, this is our beloved son in whom we're well pleased. Right? New Horizon says... This is our beloved son in whom we are well pleased. You lead us. You speak into things. Continue to lead that prayer movement. And you continue to go throughout the states and around the world to lift Jesus up. Lift Jesus up. It's all about him, Trace. You do it well. Praise the Lord. Yeah, if we could just stand together, let's um, just respond to this. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for, we thank you for your heart, Lord, your heart for your people, your heart to encounter us, Lord. We thank you for the torn veil that we get to come to you directly, that we get to bring our petitions directly to you. We thank you for that this morning we thank you just this season as we go into this new season this new year that we would be a people devoted to you devoted to prayer devoted to exalting you lord that you would be our first place that you would be our motivation in this year that the only resolution that could satisfy us that could sustain us through this year would be to put you first that you would be our one thing jesus And so we thank you for your sacrifice, that you are the great intercessor, that you are the one that brings us to the throne of the Father. We thank you, mediator, great intercessor, Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice and for your blood. Yeah. Yeah, just if we have any um, from the ministry team that could come up, just in this time as we're talking about prayer, we talk about the sacrifice of Jesus. It can't go unmentioned, his sacrifice, the beauty of the gospel. And so I just want to extend that invitation 
Like if you are sitting here and you're like, I want to know him. I want to talk to him. I want to encounter him. I want to walk into him as the great mediator to come to the throne of the Father. If you want to receive Jesus today, I just want to encourage you, like, please come up. Please do that because that is more important than anything else we could talk about, that we would know Jesus. I'm going to send an angel before you to protect you on the way and bring you to the place I have prepared. Be attentive to him and listen to his voice. Do not defy him because he will not forgive your acts of rebellion. For my name is in him. But if you will carefully obey him and do everything I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. My, for my angel will go before you and bring you to... Th- that sounds like something from the New Testament. Sounds kind of like what Jesus said uh, about he, him, him leaving and, and his Holy Spirit coming. But this is from the Old Testament. And this has been playing through my mind the entire service. As you guys were prophetically singing earlier about him going in front of us, him being behind us, him being around us, as being surrounded. About this, the concept of, of God and of him sending his Holy Spirit, and we have access to that, and that he's not holding it back. Trace, what you said earlier about it's not, we don't have to pray to get more of him. That's not how it works. He's given us all. He's given it every, every bit, everything. He gave them a taste of it in the Old Testament with the angel of the Lord that went before them, and when they listened to him, he gave them a taste of it. And then because of the work that Jesus did, we have full access to him. We can enter the throne room with confidence because of the blood of Jesus. And so, man, this has just been wrecking me, this whole, this, the whole worship time, the, the sermon, that we have access to the creator, sustainer of the universe. We have, he's, he's promised to go before us. He's behind us. He's around us. He is in us. And we just have to tap into it. And it's all about posturing ourselves in a position of surrender. And relinquishing every bit of control to that we think we have, because it's all just a, a figment of our imagination. That 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 sense of control we have. So I just want to challenge us that as we go out today, let's posture ourselves in a position of surrender. So the service begins now.